Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. Have you ever found yourself on the brink of losing it all? You started a company, you knew you were going to find success to only end up on the outside of it, completely freaked out and not knowing which way to go. Nothing was working and everything got turned on its head. In today's episode, you're going to hear Jeremy Spann's story and how he went from military veteran to many years in a police force to launching an entrepreneur journey and having it go south. Then you're going to hear how he rebuilt his empire from the ground up and how he did it. It just might surprise you. I'm your host, Donnie Bovine, and I founded Success Champion, the company, in 2017. I'd spent 20 years as a sales guy and never had run a business on my own. I quickly learned that I wasn't a business owner and had a lot of things to learn on that journey. Flash forward to where we are now, and I run four profitable businesses, the podcast, the magazine, the Facebook group, and now Success Champions Networking. This show was built so I could hear from other successful entrepreneurs on how they built and found success in their business. Stay tuned as Jeremy and I share how our businesses, our entrepreneur journey, are pretty damn similar. champions y'all get ready for this so you know i often tell people that before they meet jeremy they gotta know one thing i've only met one motherfucker in my entire life that i could be all me in a room and this asshole walks in and you wouldn't even be able to hear me speak he is literally the loudest guy i've ever met in my life jeremy and i have had a hell of a run we've shared some great stories together I've been looking forward to this fucking conversation to introduce you guys to him because he's he's fucking nuts, man. But I'm proud of what he's accomplished and what he's done on his journey. So y'all strap it in. This is going to be a hell of an episode. It's going to be loud. This one's probably going to be a lot more fucking cussing than you guys are even used to because we both just don't give a shit and it will fully unleash. So y'all strap it in. Let's have some fun. Jeremy Spann, welcome to the show, my friend. Please tell us your story. Thanks a lot for having me, Donnie. Uh, man, I'm, I'm honored to be here and uh, really excited to touch other listeners out there who have had unconventional journeys, much like I have in life. Uh, starting out from dropping out of high school at 17, which by the way, if you want to make your United States Marine Corps recruiter nice and angry, <laughs> enlist at 17 and then tell them when he goes, I'm going to need your diploma here in a couple of weeks. And you go, I dropped out. Uh, that's for a whole nother segue. Uh, but went into uh, the Marine Corps where their attitude adjustment 
program <laughs> left a lot of details out in that brochure. Right. But after six years, right, I, I, I had discipline and direction. Uh, I got out. So, um, you know, usually when you get out of the Marine Corps, people, you know, they joke around. They're like either you do porn or become a police officer. So I became police officer. And, uh, and I did nobody ever wants to see your ass naked. That's, that's no, 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 man. I mean, there would have been one download and then there would, I would have actually got a lot of attention at that point by people going, whatever you do, do not Google Jeremy Spann and porn. Cause it is just going to be it might matter of fact, if you are looking to become a Catholic priest and you need to make sure that you abstain from sex for the rest of your life, you would only have to watch that video one time. Right. Right. right? And so, became a police officer. And after a couple of years, just thought, man, I, I need to have more context than just a, a, what I call the good enough degree, the GED. Mm. And uh, so I, uh, I went to the junior college for two years. And upon completing, I was working full time midnights as a patrol officer till six in the morning and going to school from seven till depending one to three the class is never fully aligned. Right. right. And so then uh, TCU gave me a full academic scholarship and I said, okay, Hey, that's how you so, got to that school. It's dude. <laughs> I, my dad literally said, and I quote, I thought TCU was a good school. And, uh, so, <laughs> so I was like, it was like, man, you know, who knew that I could get A's right. High school dropout. Couldn't, couldn't learn. I didn't even know how to read till I got in the Marine Corps. Right. And, right. I, and that's, for a whole, we could do a whole episode on that whole dyslexia situation. <laughs> Although I will tell you is as a detective in the violent sex crimes unit, my supervisor would have to review my warrants. Cause I am so dyslexic that some words look the same. Like literally she would go, this doesn't make sense. At that time, the suspect kicked in the door to the horse entered <laughs> pinned down the victim and penetrated her month with his penis. And it was just because she was like, why don't you use spell check? And I said, I do, but they all look the same to me. You know, I, I mean, it, it, between the words house and horse, if I pick it right, it's because statistically speaking, I got a 50-50 chance of picking one or two correct. So <laughs> did that. And uh, so was actually going to leave the department in 2006. So I was graduating in December of 2006, uh, learning to speak several languages. I'd had a lot of international job offers. I was excited about exploring one of these. But the night of my graduation, my good friend, Dwayne Frito, we partnered up on calls. He was an army vet, young guy with a family, killed on a line of duty by a drunk driver. Mm. And so I just, I felt compelled to stay. So I jumped on the promotion track, spent time in the uh, uh, Detectives Bureau, Violent Sex Crimes Bureau, which I'm sure you could make a lot of jokes on, and then right. got recruited over to the feds to do two years undercover in human trafficking before human trafficking was a thing that we see now with Epstein and all that. Uh, I left there to come back uh, from the federal task force, promoted again to sergeant, and uh, was made, shockingly, supervisor of internal affairs of the 13th largest police department in the United States. <laughs> now, how that one worked <laughs> out, I, I, I literally, I literally, I, I remember sitting in Chief Halstead's office as I was handpicked for this, and and I just looked at him and I said. And I was doing this. I was looking around. He goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm waiting for Ashton Kutcher to jump out and go. Right. 
And I don't know if I'm getting punked or you're getting punked or did you lose a bet or so what happened? Were you here? shooting for this promotion or did they say like not they're, it. Not yeah, at so all. somebody I, went, I, Oh, we should do this. Jeremy's the right guy. Oh. No. Oh yeah. And <laughs> oh, oh man. And and let me tell you, right, is listen, Fort Worth PD is full of great officers. There really are. I could tell you being a supervisor of the, the internal of the integrity unit of the 13th largest police department. I need to make this statement. Police officers across the U.S. are great police officers and police officers of Fort Worth PD are great. You have some officers that do some knucklehead stuff. I did knucklehead stuff. I had had days off many a times for doing <laughs> knucklehead stuff. Uh, as a matter of fact, just as kind of a funny little segue is uh, Chief Halstead after 90 days goes, hey, I'm not complaining but your unit has a hundred percent confession rating with officers coming to internal affairs. What's going on? He goes, are you, are you hitting them with phone books? What's going on? Like, what are you doing? And I says, well, I'll tell you what I did chief is I moved my office to the very front of the office. So I was the first person they saw when they came through the door and uh, they would look at me and he goes, is that an intimidation tactic? And I says, no, the typical conversation would be like, Oh, what are you doing up here? Are you in trouble again too? I said, no, I'm the boss. And they were like, man, you're living, breathing, walking proof that if I tell the truth, not only will I not get fired, I'll get promoted several times <laughs> and be in charge of internal affairs. They were telling us shit. We didn't even know. shit To yourself and nobody would ever found oh, that out. <laughs> oh man. They were, they, I mean, they'd be in there writing their confessions and laughing. Halstead's like, what is going on? I was like, and they're, hey, we got a matrix, you know. But, I mean, if they'll you know, come up, Jeremy, then then anybody would be all right. Any, <laughs> anything will happen, right? You know, so here it was. I was supervisor. Uh, you know, it's very much a career trajectory there. And so uh, I was I was asked to go get a master's degree. Most of my other peers that were also being looked at that are upon the promotion track were getting master's degrees in criminal justice. I decided to go back to TCU and do their executive MBA program. And then after one class weekend of sitting there with other mid thirties to mid fifties, highly successful executives, I was like, I could make a lot more money than I could as a cop. <laughs> and so um, I got picked up by a, a firm. Uh, the CEO was a fellow alumni of the executive MBA program at TCU and retired Marine Corps Colonel. So I followed him. And then after two years, I, I, I dropped early papers in 2014. I didn't have enough to jump into a full retirement, but I could get a deferred retirement and I could still have retirement credentials. And, uh, and so that was in uh, mid, it was in August, 2014, went to work full time for this other company of which by August, 2016, I was so broke that if it cost me a dime to shit, I would have been asked to fuck out. <laughs> uh, I mean, I lost everything. And uh, so you and I have had many talks yep, on that journey yep. to go through that. And so in August 2016, I was sitting there going, you know what, you're, you've got one of two choices. You go do what's safe, go back to what you know, or you keep charging the path. And I wasn't ready to go back to safe. I was, I, I knew that I was meant to go do something in life. I had served my country as a Marine. I'd served my city as, as an officer and I wanted to serve clients. And that was, I just, I, I didn't know how to do that. So my wife being in real estate for over 20 years, she and her mom owned a real estate company bought by Sotheby's in 2015. 
said, hey, why don't you get a license and come help me? And when I say she drugged me kicking and screaming, she drugged me kicking and screaming. But well, I felt like she, I owed her, right? Well, knowing your wife, God love her. She's a patient mm -hmm. damn woman. But you know she can <laughs> run this and, and structure a company. She knew you had one asset that she needed, a fucking mouthpiece. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, she she was riding a golden goose on your ass, betting that you would be able to go run your mouth like you always do and meet the damn world and just so help, you know, stumble into deals of nothing else. <laughs> Man, and I tell you, she she didn't ask me to partner up with her because I have an eye for the detail. That's for certain, right? So, <laughs> I mean, I you mean, still sign your, your name with an guy. X. So, I mean, I get it. <laughs> I'm, oh man, I'm telling you, when I walk in somewhere like a Walmart or a grocery store or Ace Hardware, and they make you still sign the receipt, and they don't have a crayon for me to do it with, I am still <laughs> upset by that. Like, what are you doing? Right. And I told them, as long as they're not earth tone colors, I won't eat it. I promise you, I won't eat it. I always tell people that as long as it's not a purple one, you're safe because the purple ones have the best <laughs> flavor. So, so we're good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So we uh, started this venture and here it is uh, a little over four years later, we're doing really well. We split our time between Fort Worth and our house in Colorado that we bought this year. Um, we've built this incredible team that delivers just, just amazing value to clients in the DFW Metroplex, but also in the last two years for Briggs Freeman Sotheby's. So for the Sotheby's franchise that's in the DFW marketplace, one of the largest marketplaces, we've been number one in 2018 and 2019 for doing the most outgoing referrals by connecting people with great professionals in the real estate industry, no matter where they were looking. And so from there, we wanted to be able to touch more people. So after taking many of notes from you and watching you and, you know, I mean, hey, why be creative and original when you can just find someone you like and copy? Yeah, what so they you do, basically went, that much dumb motherfucker can oh, yeah. figure this shit out. I'm in. <laughs> oh, oh, I was like, I was like, hey, I, I can, I can, I can do this. And I, and so here we have it, Winning Strategies Playbook, you know, and uh, we're dropping our sixth episode tomorrow. Our episodes drop every Tuesday. And, uh, and man, I, I, and honestly, I got to give you a lot of credit. You were an incredible inspiration. You gave me a lot of good information. And it just, it brewed in my head for two years before it gets to that Hey, are you going to shit or get off the pot? You going to do well, well, this yeah, or are you so going to talk about that, it? So, so that's what he's trying to tell you guys is that's how slow the fucking learner he is. Is we sat down yeah. years ago and it still <laughs> took him two years to figure out the fuck I said. So, <laughs> I think I think I could even look up the date that we had that meeting at the Fort Worth Club. Love, yeah, it was at least two years ago. But you know, as um. But as a, a Marine that was looking after another Marine, you sat down, you gave me great insight, and you've always been just a, 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 a great support element for anything I've done. I mean, man, you were around when I first opened up Old School Pizza Tavern. Can you believe coming up on 10 years now? My God, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then from there, like, Cal I'll Tom never Warriors forget. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Now, I don't know if you'll remember this. So here it was. November, November 10th, 2011. We ain't even been open for business a full year yet. And you were like, hey, 
Let's do a Marine Corps celebration of the ball. I still have pictures of this, by the way, at your restaurant. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. And then after I realized how many Marines showed up and were drinking, I was like, this is a really bad fucking idea. (laughs) Right. There is something that's going to get broke, blown up, or, you know, the cops are going to get called. I, you know, it, it, so, and then from there, uh, I enlisted your help, uh, when I decided to start Cowtown Warriors Mm -hmm. in 2013, which I said, I need a bunch of Marines going to come together and help me get this thing started. And now seven years later, 100% of all donations go straight to the wounded vet. And we're still going strong, even in a, what I call the post-pandemic rioting, protesting election year trifecta of 2020, we're still doing strong there. And the board is still made up of nothing but Marines, which means we eat a lot of crayons, drink a lot of booze, but throw a hell of matter of fact, I think Richard Wagner, who's also a Marine, he was the president after me. I suckered him into taking over for me. He's a glutton is, punishment. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> He goes, you know what we are? He goes, uh, we're a drinking club with a charity problem. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but we did great work. Yeah, we've, we've, we've helped veterans with, uh, I think we've raised and spent almost $2 million in seven wow. years on, on local impressive. wounded vets and, uh, and done an incredible job. And you're helping in helping me get a bunch of Marines, which is like herding cats and juggling Molotov cocktails when they're former Marines, right? Because it's like once a Marine, always a Marine. So why why re-enlist? I don't have to do what you say. (laughs) Thank you, Richard Price, for that saying I will take to my grave. I love that saying. It's one of the best ones. Oh, it was him i that that is he gets the full credit for yeah that. yeah brilliant full saying all right so let's let's yeah. let's wrap our head around this chaos of your story just so people fully understand why the fuck you're sitting here so high school fuck up dropout oh yeah that went through the marine corps um i know you don't talk about it but i'll tell them fucking recon marine you know through that process then uh, jump out, become a police officer because you just didn't get enough of dodging fucking bullets. Um, work your way through all the way up to detective, to FBI, not FBI, but federal, um, and then undercover work. Then go get an MBA and get in the business side of doing real estate with your wife. Do millions of dollars in real estate transactions and then turn around, start a nonprofit that's done millions of dollars put a nonprofit together that had seven generals all in the room at the same fucking time, which was really the oh, first time that ever happened in my life. Um, <laughs> of course they didn't like it when I didn't say sir a couple of times, mainly because I was drinking and forgot, but you know, um, <laughs> um, and, and have survived some business chaos some business moves. But at the end of the day, took a dude that probably should not have found success on his fucking ride and has constantly reinvented himself to, to build all this stuff. And now are sharing some of your stories and journeys through your podcast, a little bit of coaching and are just trying to share the, the, the story of Jeremy span with the world that about sum it up in a nutshell. Uh, yeah, but as my buddy that I went, uh, we, we grew up, we've been friends since second grade named Ricky Salas. And uh, he went in the Marine Corps a few months after I did, but we enlisted at the same time. He literally calls me Forrest Gump. And he's like, <laughs> I don't know that there's anything you haven't done yet. <laughs> um, you know, you kind of look like him and you sound like him too. So I get that. It's very much a resemblance there. 
Um, well, if, if the camera was any lower to see how fat I've gotten, you would see that I don't run like Forrest Gump. <laughs> I can promise you that. <laughs> so it's a, it's a favorite question for me. Because one thing that I want to talk to you about very particular is we're going to talk about the Marine Corps, what that transition's like and why so many people fuck it up. But I, but I, for you in particular, where does that gumption and grit come from? Because you, I, I mean, just watching your story unfold over the years, you've taken it on the chin several times, fucking, and then picked yourself back up and continued going. But I don't think that was a natural thing always for you. I think somewhere along the way, you found this no quit, fuck you, I'm going to make it work vibe. Where do you think it comes from? Well, it, it could come from, again, going back to Forrest Gump is mama never said I was a smart man. Uh, you know, <laughs> I um, often say, dude, that entrepreneurs are just people that are too dumb to quit. You know, so I, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, we're masochists. I mean, actually, as entrepreneurs, if you look up the same symptoms of being bipolar, <laughs> we have a lot of the same ones, right? right. And, uh, and so well, I've got a very good friend of mine, Jamie Peace. Uh, I was with third recon as a officer. He was a, a, a Naval Academy guy. And then he went on to become one of the first commanders in, in MARSOC with well over six deployments. I mean, dude's just a stud and he's better looking than he should be. And, uh, you know, he's like one of those guys, he like gets in shape by breathing. So you just hate the guy naturally, right, but right. And, and, and he's never nice to me when he's nice to me. I go, what do you want? Or, 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 or what did you do? Or what are you getting ready to do? Kind right, of thing, right. Right. And as he usually says, as he goes, you know what your problem is, he goes from birth, you've been too dumb to quit at anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think that, you know, it really, it, it goes back to, I, I think that there, I think it's part genetics, to be honest with you. Uh, there's, there's actually a couple of different parts is, I mean, I, I, I had great parents. I had incredible parents. I mean, we didn't grow up in, in luxury at all, but my dad was a Vietnam vet. He was a police officer. My mom, you know, was an entrepreneur and she was the heavy say so in the house. And it just, my, my dad's father was Omaha beach landing in Korean oh, wow. war. My mom's father was Pacific as a Marine. And, and so I had good genetics as far as people that were built to, not quit at things. Right. And that was something that was in our household is I don't care if you fall flat on your face and fail, as long as you gave effort trying at something. Right. And so even with my daughter, I've told her for, since I can remember is the first time you make a mistake, it's really not a mistake. It's a learning opportunity. Now, if you repeat that same damn thing, then it's a mistake. Decision. Learn the yeah. lessons, right, right. Go for it. And I think a part two was, you know, and, and again, I think this is a, a genetics thing that I see very common with entrepreneurs is you have the natural ability to figure it out, yeah. right? Um, and I think there's almost an obsession with figuring things out as an entrepreneur. And so that, it was funny as I was an entrepreneur, I think by birth, but spent the better part of the first four decades of my life working in non-entrepreneurial roles. You and, and me both. I, oh yeah. And then when I finally, and the thing is, is like, especially in the PD, I changed units like every two years. I was always chasing things. I was a great Marine. I was a great cop. I felt like I did a lot of great things. I felt like I always helped people. And it's my passion is helping people. 
I mean, it's why I built Cowtown Warriors. I mean, my network is what it is, not because of anything spectacular I've done. It's because I've spent my life connecting and helping people. And then naturally, it's just paid back. And, uh, and so that natural ability to figure things out where whenever I was jumping unit to unit, and it was, man, I mean, to go from, uh, you know, making a pretty decent salary as a high-ranking officer in, in Fort Worth PD, I was very senior, um, and then health benefits, I mean, the safety of it to say, oh, let me just put all that to the wind to go take the risk and, you know, and which turned out horribly bad. I mean, not only did I lose everything, but I was holding the back for four million in assets. I mean, it was it was as worse a scenario as it could be, and uh, and so. But there was just, you know, I, I I think with you know folks like yourself and me is our guide doesn't come from what's behind us but from what's in front of us that we know we can go get. Yeah. And we're constantly driven by that. If anything, our probably biggest problem is once we get it, if we can't move the goalpost back on it, what do we do to redefine what the next thing is? Yeah. Because yeah. we're constantly chasing, right? Well, and I, and I think it's fascinating that you bring up the point of how bad it went once you made the choice to jump because same thing for me i mean we talked about this last time you and i talked that you know after i launched the business i mean i fucking tanked the damn thing and i'm looking at about losing everything and you and i talked a little bit about you know we both shared that thing of fuck how are we going to pay our electric bill when we're both used to dealing with a lot more cash on hand to all of a sudden no oh, fuck you know everything's going south most people would have thrown in the towel but you and I didn't throw in the towel. We kept plugging ahead. You think that's DNA or you think we're glutton for punishment? I mean, uh, because I don't think it's DNA for me. I think I was, you know, more concerned about what other people would have thought had it not worked, you know? Um, and I, and I always put that out there is that's kind of that move for me. Is that DNA or is that, is that, tenacity and grit something somebody else can learn uh, I, I think it's a mixture of both i think that if you don't have that dna that's there whether it's been unlocked or not you don't know that you have it and a lot of times you know like in your situation where you're, you're worried about what other people would say that was actually the vessel right right but if you didn't have something inside that DNA that you have that said, I mean, because here's the deal at the end of the day, if you take the, the haters and God love them, I love it when people say you can't do that. And my response is <laughs> challenge accepted. Yeah. Hold my beer right? and watch this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the way you've been since yeah. I've known you for a decade now is I do think there's an element of DNA. And the reason I say that is a topic you and I often talk about is entrepreneur spirit versus entrepreneur courage. Right. And you have a lot of people that maybe have the grit, they have all that to go do that, which therefore they have the spirit. But in my, and this is my belief and, you know, and this and well, 50 cents used to get you a cup of coffee. Now it's like Starbucks, five bucks. But I think that unless you have that DNA, because it's that constant chirping, in the back of your mind, right? It's yep. just, there's something there. 
And, 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 and can it be trainable? It, it can, I think. And I think, it, are there some people that have been successful entrepreneurs that didn't have that entrepreneurial courage, that part of their DNA? I'm sure there have been. But for the most part, I think that it's just something that's in our blood, that's in our mind, that's in our grit. That's just, it's an, it's obsessing, right? Right. Yeah. I had somebody ask me, Donnie, they were like, dude, how do you define the difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur? I'm like, it's really simple. A business owner thinks about going home. (laughs) A business owner thinks about stopping work for the day. I said, an entrepreneur is batshit fucking crazy. There's no off. There's, there's no vacation. I'm not saying we don't take vacations. We just never stop thinking about the business and what's no. the next move. What's the, the, the next stage? What are we scaling? What are we growing? You know, and you know, some of my vacations, you know, my wife has just learned that we better have good Wi-Fi. You know, or get me to places with Wi-Fi so I can go back and work on the fucking business. And it's not because I'm avoiding anything. It's not because I'm I'm trying. It's because I get a joy of seeing how big I can go, right? How masterfully can I fail at seeing how big I can go, you know, and what can I break along the fucking way? And to me, that's that, that tells me everything, the difference between somebody who's going to build a business, which is a beautiful thing. We need business owners that are going to build a steady static type business, but then we need the batshit crazy guys to change the world. Yo. Well, one of my, one of my favorite Donnie sayings is go louder, be louder. Right. And, and I think that's a part of that entrepreneurial DNA is enough is never enough. Right. And I don't mean in the context of money. If I, if I made money the KPI of what I do, I would not get to where I'm at, sure. right? It, it's, to me, it's winning, right? Is uh, You and I talk about culture index, which I use with clients. And it's because I want to help communicate with my clients better. So in order to be a client, they take this quick six to 10 minute survey and I learn to speak their language. So instead of speaking Jeremy to Donnie, I'm speaking Donnie to Donnie because clarity creates agreement. Agreement builds trust. Trust moves the needle. Whereas unanswered questions lead to confusion. Confusion leads to fear. Fear just tanks things. And 95% of all problems come from bad or miscommunication or not understanding. And so my cultural index is on the four traits, your autonomy, need, want, desire, social attention, uh, at pace and patience, and then conventional versus unconventional thinking, my desire to win and sense of urgency to do so are as far apart as possible. Whereas, matter of fact, my podcast episode that drops tomorrow, uh, it will talk about only 2% of the planet is wired like I am, right? And so all up from the time my feet hit the floor to the time my head hits a pillow, I'm thinking about how can I do it bigger, better, faster, stronger? What can I do to, to service my clients better? What can I do to make? So that constantly is going there. That means two things. One, uh, like you, I never really get away from vacation because I don't allow myself to. Is Our favorite thing to do is come up to our vacation house in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, and we love to go hiking. And we like to do overnight hikes. I'm talking, you know, 50, 60 pound rucks, going up, you know, climbing the mountain, staying overnight. 
And, but still, even though there's no cell phone signal, I spend, I think, oh, oh man, it's probably close to a hundred bucks a month on a GPS system that has a text satellite feature that my team can get a hold of me if shit hits the fan. Right. Right. And, and I, I, it's rare that it happens, but I never get to be fully off because I'm, I'm constantly that way. And then the second part it means is I do a lot of shit I don't like to do. Right. And what I mean by that is I'm up habitually at four o'clock in the morning. My alarm's set for 430 just in case I sleep in. Same. But the latest. <laughs> That's yeah. funny because I'm the exact same. But, oh, man. And, and, and usually at latest, it's 4.15, 4.20. And, uh, and so, but I get up because the first two hours of my day is market research. And I've got literally a, a to-do list that if you ask me what that list is right now, I couldn't tell you. I've been doing the same damn thing seven days a week for two years. And I still have to look at the list every day because by, by, by struck, by, by design, I'm not a structured individual, same. which sounds odd to people. They're like, you're in the Marines, you're in Cobb. Blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not. So I follow a pattern and I get that done because a part of how I service clients is by being the subject matter expert on what's going on in the, in the real estate market. And so I have to keep up on my game. But if I waited till 6 a.m. to get that started, you're like me. That phone starts ringing at 7. Yep. I'd never get any of that done. Yep. And it's funny because I have people all the time go, well, you, you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning because you like to get up and uh, you did that in the Marines. I was like, let me tell you, in the history of ever, never, if there's one son of a bitch that doesn't like getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, it is this guy. <laughs> Been wanting to change things up a little bit on how we talk about our sponsors and the people who help make this show great. So this is gonna be a little bit different style of commercial. Family Fund has been supporting families of first responders for a number of years. And it all started as a idea of Stacy and Michael McGovern who are the founders of Blue Family Fund. And it's a really unique story, but in lieu, instead of me telling you, hear it in Stacy's words of why they started Blue Family Fund. Because I wanted to give back, I wanted to do more. You know, we'd been so successful in our for-profit business that um, we looked at each other and we said, you know, how can we, how can we pay this forward? My husband and I, how, you know, how can we pay it back, pay it forward? My grandfather, when I was growing up, always used to tell me, you know, in life, you get what you give. And um, I'm a big believer in that. You know, what you put out there, you can sometimes get back threefold. So we really just wanted to do more. We were already helping police officers, you know, with off-duty work. So how could we help the families? You know, as a family of a police officer, I understand that it's just as hard on the family as it is the actual officer. How could we do more for them um, by providing maybe scholarships for their dependents or financial aid for dependents that want to uh, pursue higher education. Stacy is one of the most humble people I know. Uh, their company, Point Blank Safety Services, has employed 200 off-duty police officers for, for several years and success on protecting the freeways, the highways, and everything else has done just 
amazing things, not only for the state of Texas, but for the lives of the family officers that need additional income as they protect our lives. So for the fact that her and Michael would set up this fund to help the families in times of need, it's, it's really a, a, a beautiful thing. Blue Family Fund is focused on first responders and their families. And recently, Stacy and Michael were able to give a small check to a the family of a fallen police officer. He was a, a husband and a dad. And very touching uh, moment as I watched the video and presentation of the check. And you know, I, I wanted to hear from Stacy what it meant to her to be able to do that for that family it's amazing um the feel i can't i can't even describe the feeling and then you know when you know i don't feel like it's that much money but then when you hand it to them and they they um, break down crying because it's just enough to maybe get them over the next hurdle or obstacle that they've got going on um it's it's really a great feeling just to be able to to do that and the, the family you're talking about both daughters are actually also firefighters so they're both first responders as well um, so just a total first responder family and um, just to be able to give back to them and, and let them know that there are people that that are going to remember their dad and their husband and there are people that care it's it's a really great feeling one of the things that i think is magical behind the family because of the success of Point Blank Safety Services, Stacy and Michael have set up Blue Family Fund to where 100% of the donations go back to the families of first responders. How we're different than maybe some other charities, how we pay all the bills for the, the nonprofit ourselves. So every single dollar donated can actually go directly to a family. So literally 100% of all donations are um, handed forward, you know, to to either a scholarship or to a, a financial aid for a family that has lost a first responder. Blue Family Fund has been my charity of choice for a number of years now, and it's truly an amazing organization. So if you're a fan of the show and you like the content we put out there, do me a favor, head over to bluefamilyfund.org and send a little financial love their way. That's what they, I, I'm, a, I'm a morning person, so you know uh, I've always been an early riser. Um, but four o'clock, it's still fucking early. I don't care who you are. Um, you know, yeah. it's interesting. Something that keeps popping in my head is I've never been diagnosed with like ADD or anything like that. But I know I'm a shiny object, dude. Right? I mean, I'm heading down a track. Something happens over here. I'm fucking gone. Right? So, so mm -hmm. I heard a guy talk the other day, and I want to get your thoughts on this. That. Um, and he was given this speech and I, maybe I was watching on TikTok. I don't know. And he's like, you know, I had this kid come up to me and he was like, they tell me I'm dyslectic. I'm ADD. He's like, my life is fucked. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm all struggling with life. And he looked at him and goes, fuck you. You have the world's greatest superpower. Because if you look at almost every major successful entrepreneur, fucking business owner, somebody who's kicked ass, go look at him. Richard Branson's dyslexic, you know, um, Elon Musk, ADD. I mean, all these guys, they're wired differently. My question for you is, do we find success 
because we've figured out a way to work within our own chaotic world, which has forced us to constantly figure it out. You know what I mean? Is, is it because we've learned to work within what we have that's allowed us to do what others would look at us and think is fucking crazy? Oh, yeah. And my wife likes to use the term workaround, right? Um, they're, you know, and, and it, it, I love this topic, right? Is I'm dyslexic to a very severe degree. I'm as ADD. If, hell, if you can't tell by the way I'm talking on this podcast, <laughs> I'm, I'm like a squirrel on methamphetamines, right? I mean, all over the board. And, but I had to build in these workarounds not only for the healthiness of myself, but more so the healthiness of my team. And, uh, and so, but I didn't want them to limit me because it is that ADD. So when you're ADD, it means you just got that energy to go. Right. And then when you're dyslexic, you're constantly figuring out how to do things because you don't do them naturally like everybody else. And so you got high energy and unorthodox thinking and, and, and I didn't want my, I didn't want to be limited by that. So we structured our team and we were still evolving. Uh, we've evolved a lot in the last four years where I can have that, but we also had to come up with a, how do you keep from murdering the team? And so I'm laughing we because is, we have that in my company. Oh <laughs> it, man. Dude. It so is, we, we have um, basically picture a football field. And what they've done for me is yep. here's as far right as I can go. Here's as far left as I can go, but I got to stay within these two. Right. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, it, it's the funniest fucking conversations uh, because every once in a while they got to come to me and, and say, dude, you're getting over the out of bounds. Let's bring it back to here, <laughs> you know? And, and it, it's, they don't mean to, and I don't take it this way, but it's almost like they have to talk to me like it's my mom or dad, right? To talk to me about oh, yeah. what's the next that next move forward. It's the funniest yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. It's like when your team starts holding the gun to your head, you're like, oh, yeah, I should probably pay attention to this, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so for what we did is to make a deal with my team. And, you know, when, you're, when your business partner with several people that work for you is, is also your spouse, you're together 24 seven, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we share a bed, we share meals and we share business. And I didn't want to have that preventing me. And, and she didn't want it either. She's just like, man, you, you take us to the next level, but you, you have to have a very honest conversation with the person in the mirror. Yes. Right. The biggest liar in the room is the one in the mirror. And I don't care who you are, priest, the president, everybody fucking lies themselves. Right. Yep. Sure. I can have that third Balvini, maybe seventh. <laughs> sure. I should get the triple water burger, cheese burger, you know, whatever that is. And so I had to have an honest conversation with myself and, and we built in, um, we built in like a ledger of how not to let my, you know, so you and I've talked, I've got an executive coach. I always make a joke. I pay a guy $30,000 a year to tell me all the shit my wife will tell me for free. <laughs> but when you drop 30 grand a year, you pay attention. And, and I, but I, I didn't want to curb it, but I wanted it to not confuse the team. Cause again, confusion creates fear. It wasn't yep. helpful for the team. And so what we do now is I, I, I use a system called Evo, E-V-O, and it's a daily planner and a weekly planner. And it helps keep me on track 
because I'm not a structured individual. And the part of that is, you know, it's, I won't make sausage out of what the whole thing does, but it has a note section. So when I have a great idea, I write it down. And then every Monday, like this morning, I review all of the previous week, the, not just on the weekly planner, but the daily that from then. And if I had any ideas, I write it down on this new weekly, right? Then next week when I'm back to Monday doing this again, I'm like, okay, I wrote it down the week before that. And I wrote it down again. So I've written it down twice and I'm still motivated by it. Right. I'm like, man, I think this might be a good idea. Well, one of the systems I learned uh, in my MBA at TCU was called Porter's five forces. And without breaking down, we could go on a whole topic of, you know, strategy planning, market forces, all, all these different things that at Sometime in the next seven days, I'll sit down and do an honest, having an honest conversation in the mirror. What are the barriers to entry and rivalry amongst existing competitors, suppliers, buyers, whole nine yards. So if I do that, by then now, the, what we've come upon is the next Monday and I go, hey, it looks like, looks like this thing could be doable. Then I take another thing I learned from my MBA, which is called the five diamond strategy which basically sets out the vehicles and everything else of what would be needed in order to take this idea and put it in play. So if I've written it down and then I got it another week and then I've done porters and now I've done the five diamond strategy, if it's yeses, I've had four weeks and I've thought it through. So when I present it to the team, I'm not just going, hey guys, I've got an idea. I go, here's the idea here's why it'll work. Here's why we could be successful. This is how we can execute. And then that keeps from wearing the team out, but allows me to feel like I haven't, you know, because I could tell you a lot of times I get to that next Monday and I've written a whole lot of shit down that I'm like, nah, fuck that. We ain't doing yeah, that. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's how I am. I don't do it on a pad. I do it in, in a notes app. Uh, and I got this notes app that just stays with me. And I, basically either categorize or color code just because i can't stay to a consistent plan to save my fucking life so one note mm -hmm. may be color coded the next one may be put in a fucking category either way it all comes out at the end but it's the same similar process as i meet with my team on mondays and a lot of it is i find myself more and more putting in more processes and biting my tongue on a regular basis you know, because I very much like you, I got the idea. I'm like, that's the idea. That's the one that woke me up at three o'clock in the fucking morning because, you know, bolting out of bed because that's going to take us to the next million dollars. You know, that thought process. And I've learned to sit on it. I like your idea of going four weeks with it because there's a lot of ideas that we've implemented that we got a month or two in. We're like, why the fuck are we doing this? This makes no damn sense. And yeah. so shit can the damn thing. Um I'd wonder if I would still feel the same way if I sat on it for your four week. I'm going to steal that. I like that idea a lot. Um, well, and that's, that's really important. You bring up a really important component that I, that, that actually it, it, time is a commodity we can't buy more of, and we can't get a refund on, on it once spent. Right. So, and, and guys like us, right. We're opportunity junkies, right. Yes. The next million dollar idea. And it's really has nothing to do with the, 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 the money aspects of it. It's like the next big idea to win. 
And so, or the next asset, you, right? You're the next next person, you know, whatever that thing yeah. is, man. It's like, oh my god, where's this been all my life? And yeah, yeah in oh, that yeah. moment, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so there's and what I've learned through some very painful experiences because pain is the best professor out there. Is like you just said, and you said hit the nail right on the head. Was you had a great idea, you deployed the idea. And then now three months into it, you're like, I'm going to shit can the idea. Whereas had you taken some sort of process, whatever works for you, where after four weeks, it's like, I've not only still thinking about it, I've run the traps on it. I've done some planning behind this. And I do believe that this could work. Well, your chances of success are, are, are astronomically higher, right? Versus the loss of three months of time. Yeah. Well, right. and I think you also take the emotional aspect out of it because, because when I like the, the term opportunistic, you know, because when we see something, it's, it's all in, it's like, we're playing poker. We just slid all of our fucking chips into whatever that thing is with no real thought, you know? So I like this and I'm going to call it a trap because that's how I teach myself. Anything is set fucking traps for myself. Um, so something that's going to trip me up down the road. So I don't do the fucking thing that I, takes the emotion out of it so so if i put you know this four-week gap into things now i've set a trap that i've still got to be as emotional about it after those four weeks as i am right now in the moment when i think about it um it's that's fucking smart who the thunk i yeah, learned from you <laughs> that's the it's the only thing man it is like the the one and only thing you, you, you know, yeah i mean i i mean come on every squirrel can find a nut right especially one on methamphetamines right uh, but, but but yeah and and, and that was and, and that was the, the the very big thing behind it too was you know you and i aren't getting any younger no and and the energy I, I, I still say that I've still got an abnormous amount of energy to still do great things, but I don't have the energy I had 10 years ago. That's just, I mean, father time gets his pound of flesh. And so I had to become more effective with how I use that energy because I, you know, 50 is knocking on the door. It is around the corner. And I do want to get to a place where I don't know what the next journey will be. I've got some ideas, but I want to be able to have the energy for whatever that may be down the road that I can deploy to it. And, and if I spin my wheels on every good idea that I have sooner or later, we become the boy that cries wolf to the people that support us too, because right. they're going to go, Oh, great. Span's got another great idea mm -hmm. where now when I come to the team, they know that there's been at least four weeks of thought and planning put into it. And it was like, somebody told me, it's like, any good idea that you have, do you really believe that if you have, that you have to deploy it the second you have it in order to be successful? No. I mean, nothing in life really succeeds without like what you said, processes and planning, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like we, as Marines, we're going to run into combat just because like, hey, every, drop y'all off and you know, y'all go kill whatever, right? I mean. Yeah, man, but the same got, token, you say that though, we both are dumb enough to go, let's do a Cowtown Warriors ball. Let's do this. 
And without putting any sort of thought process, I mean, I ran my own nonprofit, not to the level of Cowtown Warriors, but we did Connecting for Conquerors. We rented out the Coyote Drive-In. We rented out Top Golf and did all that. We raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for cancer care services. Same thought process, but but it's that mechanism that delayed. You know, well, I don't even know the fucking word, but but it's you, that instant gratification that you and I both go for putting that delayed measure in takes that, Hey, let's do something stupid, like launch a nonprofit that we know nothing about and do this big ass event, bring all these heavy hitters to the fucking table. It gives us a minute to pause and go, okay, four weeks from now, do we still want to do this? And can we put the structure and processes to it? It's fucking really smart. Um, yeah. And I would say that, you know, to hit on, like you said, is, you and I've done some pretty great things, right? And what I would attribute to that is sometimes it's better to be lucky than smart. And I think you and I have been lucky in a lot of stuff, right? Because <laughs> smart doesn't is, always come into play. <laughs> no, no, no. But but luck, luck doesn't always go with us. Where I think back to 2016, when I had to look at my family, mm-hmm. I mean, not just my, my, my wife and my daughter, but my in-laws and my dad, my friends, my peers, and go... I shit the bed. Like, I mean, I mean, if there's matter of fact, I, I could literally write a book on if you think you can fuck it up better than me, let's have a conversation. <laughs> right. And so, and, but I, and, and, and the reason I got to where I, 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 the reason I was sitting in that position in August of 2016 in my almost million dollar house with my sports cars and all this but staring at an electric bill for 300 bucks, wondering how I was going to pay it, which is the least of my concerns if I can't pay an electric bill, but going, what, what did I miss that allowed me to get here? Because if we were judged on our intentions, well, we, we'd be the top there is, but we're not, we're judged on the results of our actions and the results of my actions literally put us in a hardship and I had to go, what did I miss? And what can I, what can I put in place now to do as good of a job as possible to prevent that from happening again? Now, do I still make mistakes? Yep. Do I still pooch the screw? Yep. Do I still do all those things? Yep. But the amount of, of failures, because failures are important, but the amount of things that failed because I didn't vet it out, compared to now are much smaller, but I still have that instinct, that prey drive where I will still do things and not think, mm-hmm. right? Because that's who we are, right? Yep. It's our nature. You know, uh, I think it was Steve Harvey that said, you will never out success your failures. And I thought it was a brilliant <laughs> saying. <laughs> and when he I'm said right. it, yeah, uh, um, and, and it was one of those things that I wrote down the first time I heard it. And I'm like, dude, that is the most brilliant saying in the world because the truth is the only way you get to success, however somebody fucking determines it, is you have got to go through the fuck ups. Um, mm-hmm. And people don't always understand me. This is why I like talking to guys like you is the fuck ups is how I learn everything. Right. You can sit there with a book and a manual or somebody can say, you know, go this direction, do this, implement, do that. None of that shit makes sense to me. What makes sense to me is, Donnie, here's what I think may work for you. Cool. Give it to me. 
Let me go fuck it up, bang it around, come back to you and go, okay, here's the shit that I fucked up. What do you think now? All right. What'd you learn from it, Donnie? You know, and then they, they, they allow me to come to my own fucking conclusion because I fucked it up enough that I can wrap my head around. Oh, motherfucker, you told me it was blue 10 weeks ago. If I had to fucking listen back then, <laughs> I'd understand that it was fucking blue, you know? Um, but, but I think that that's part of our nature is we're willing to go take the fucking hits. You know, you, you were willing to go get punched in the fucking face going, that's going to fucking hurt. Oh, well, I wonder how bad can I take it? Oh, can I take another one? Can I take another one? And I think that's a lot of it is uh, put it a different way. I think I found success in running a business so far because I turned off the, I don't give a shit. I stopped <laughs> worrying about what people said and made myself more comfortable in going through the failure moments and actually looking for the failures or the opportunity to fuck it up. So I could learn. Does that make any sense? Oh man. Let me tell you. And my, my good friend, Vincent Hancock, two-time gold medalist, he and I, on, on he was episode two on my podcast and we were talking, you know, he gold medaled in uh, Beijing, then he gold medaled in London and then shits the bed in Rio. And he had all these people saying, you're a wash up, you, you should just quit, blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, is if guys like him and you and me actually listened to what other people said, we'd be in line at the soup kitchen. Right? Right. <laughs> and, and I just, you know, does it, does it, does it sometimes, I mean, I have feelings. I mean, my wife would argue and say that I don't but, you know, every <laughs> once in a while, depending on who the, who the voice is that says something it does, it, you know, it, it, it kind of stings me a little bit to go, man, I thought this person really care about me. And that's where I learned surround yourself with the people that, not only they know you really don't give a shit, but also they give a shit enough about you that they're there to support you and not be a hater. Right. right. And so that was a, that was a big learning lesson for me. And then, you know, growing into that and, and then getting away from that, stop worrying about what other people think. Right. Just, it just don't. And then it leads me to something that you're saying is, it's not that I believe that guys like you and I have to fuck something up to be successful. It's just, there's two types of, 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 of thought in this world, in my opinion. There's historical and deductive. So historical folks, look, have we seen this before? Yep, okay, let's see this, let's do it and do it better again, right? So if they come across a problem they've seen it before, they're going to be very quick to come up with a solution. Whereas you and I are going to try to reinvent the wheel mm. on the same problem every single time because we're deductive thinkers by nature. So when the historical person reaches an avenue where they've seen a problem now that they've never seen before, they hit the brakes where we go into go time and we beat that thing up and we're doing deductive thinking to go, here's the solution. You have to have both. My wife is a historical thinker. I'm a deductive thinker. So as long as we've seen the problems before, we keep me out of it because I'm going to try to reinvent the wheel. But when we come across something we haven't seen before, I go into action because she knows I'm going to come up with a solution for it. And it's really important to know which one is your mentality because if you're a historical thinker, trying to go learn to do things a new way, you, you just, you're, you're going against your grain. And if you're a deductive thinker, 
Let's operate in an environment where it's a wash, rinse, repeat, where you're going to get bored and drive everybody nuts, right? Yep. Yep. One thing, and I love that. One thing that you said in there that I I really think is is kind of this key point is is who you surround yourself with. And here's why. Um, I was reading Jensen Cheryl's book, and this was right before I jumped out and started my my business. And it was uh, "You're a Badass at Making Money" is the name of her book, and it's a great read. Um, for various reasons. But one of the things that I love that she said in there is um, be around the people that want to win while you're winning versus the people that want to be around when you're fucking miserable. And it took me a little while to fucking wrap my head around this thought process. But what I realized is the entire world really wants you to fucking lose. Because if you lose, they feel good about themselves, right? If your shit goes south, they're like, yeah, that's why I shouldn't do it because that motherfucker couldn't pull it off. I got no chance in hell. So it makes them feel good about their choice of not going for life, right? And I think that's where a lot of haters come from. Um, and it, I mean, literally like right now, I've got a post on LinkedIn. It's a funny fucking post that has got like 20,000 views on it. And it's going fucking batshit crazy right now. Um, uh, and one dude jumped on there. And he's like, I'm unfollowing you. This is the stupidest thing ever. It's a funny post. LinkedIn put out a thing that if you double click the fucking post, it automatically likes the post. So I saw another motherfucker do it. He made a thing and says, hey, new feature. Click this twice and see what it does. So <laughs> it's just that post and it's going fucking nuts on LinkedIn. I mean, the stupidest thing there. He's like, I'm going to go do this shit. Go look at my profile. I'm, I'm, I'm writing this down right now. <laughs> I'm calling my social media guy right now. Just tell him to jump on my yeah. profile. It's going fucking uh, nuts, right? Oh, but then, you know, it's, yeah. But, but, but for, for me is I'm finding more and more in life that I've got to stay surrounded by guys like you, guys that are going and creating, gals too. I don't want to put that into a sexist thing when they say guys. I mean, is the people that are actually fucking going for it because, general population when you start finding fucking success they they think you were handed it they think you were giving it they think you know they don't see the countless fucking 4 a.m wake-ups and and the fucking banging your head against the walls and the constant going but when you're around motherfuckers that are like fuck yes dude keep going i love this shit i've been watching your story it's fucking rocking keep going you gotta have those people in your life because when shit goes south they're gonna be the same ones are gonna be like dude keep going you've been here before fucking same rodeo mm -hmm. saddle that bitch up and let's get rocking and rolling and it's so important to have the right fucking circles so the opposite of that doesn't happen because if yeah if, i mean when your shit went south I'm sure some motherfuckers were looking at you going or looking at your story going, well, fuck it. There's spam, you know, um, it's, it, it's just such a key thing for me. Yeah. And here's what I would tell the listeners is this, especially those that are struggling with that, still worrying about what other people say, go, go down to the local hobby store or whatever and get you two jars. Okay. And then get a bag full of marbles. And on one jar, write negative, And on the other jar, write positive. And every time someone does some dipshit stuff, they either talk bad or say bad or they're a hater or whatnot, drop a marble in that negative one. And then every time you have someone that truly supports you, you know, like you've done for me and I've done for you, is you put a positive one in there. Is 
what you're going to see is that negative jar is going to be this full and the positive jar is going to be this full. But what it does is it gives you a visual because when you stop paying attention to that negative jar, right? You just dropping them in there. Oh, there's another marble. What you realize is after a year when that jar is full or maybe even faster than that, that's how many people are wishing they were in this jar, yeah. in the positive jar. And then that gives you a visual to go, you know what? And, and the thing is, is you have to have compassion for those folks too. Empathy because, is, my, is my word. I like compassion, but empathy yeah, is mine. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know what? I, hey, haters are going to hate. People that want to bring you down, misery loves company and all of that. I just go, look, I'm here. This is what I'm doing. I'm not worried about you. I, I care about you. I don't wish that you were like this, but again, they have to go do the same thing in the mirror, you know, above the mirror, both my houses in my bathroom has big, bold letters. that says, did you mm. question mark? Did you tell truth today? Did you, did you really, did you really lie to yourself today? Or did you really get out there and get it? Did you tell your wife you love her? Did you tell your daughter you loved her? You know, did you, did you leave it all on the table? And the answer is always no. You could always give another inch. So this last summer, I found myself answering yes three days in a row. Yeah, mm. I left it all on the table. And on day three, I went, Word. no, I really haven't. <laughs> I, I, I'm lying to myself right now. So I had that as a reminder to go, I could have given another inch could have made one more phone call. I could have touched one more person. I could have done one more thing. Any of those things is that reminder is don't lie to yourself, right? Because it doesn't matter if you, if you can't have an honest conversation with yourself, how can you have an honest conversation with anybody else in the world? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And here's one thing I love about your marriage. It's very similar to mine in nature in this regard is, is my wife is the one person in this world that keeps me humble. Um, I've seen a lot of success, right? I, and I've done a lot of cool things and got some accolades and whatever. And it's very quick that that shit can go straight to my head. And all of a sudden I'm, I, I'm, I'm starting to think I'm like Billy badass and she can say mm -hmm. one thing and knock me to my fucking knees so quick. It's brilliant. Um, and I know you got it too. So, oh man, I call her the needle that pops the ego balloon, right? <laughs> when it starts getting up there, she, she pops yep. that thing and says, Hey, bring it back down to reality. Here's well, the deal. What is going on? You know? I mean, it's like, I mean, it was like yesterday, um, I was talking to my wife and I'm like, man, I just had this guy reach it back out to me that I talked to him a year ago and he had nothing to wanted nothing to do with me. Didn't give a shit about my business, anything else, but now he's reached out to me and he wants to try and do something together. I said, I just hate it when motherfuckers pop up and, and, and my ego was in the way. Right. And she looked right at me and she goes, mm -hmm. what if your business just sucked so bad last last year when you talked to him last time that you weren't ready for him and he saw it, but now he's seen your journey and you fucking thrive. And it's like, okay, it's now worth having a fucking conversation. I'm like, sometimes I fucking hate you. Love you, babe. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but, but, but I think it's important oh, yeah. for everybody on that climb to have that, that, and I call it my home base, you know, yeah. that, that knocks it back to reality, you know, um, uh, and has those things that, that keeps your ego in check as you go through this. Um, man, you, you couldn't be more on point with that. And, and then here's the thing too, is 
there is a lot of people out there that after they, they, they go from the negative jar of marbles, right? They've seen you be successful and they see that positive jar getting fuller and they want to be one of those marbles is, yeah, is it knowing that they waited till the success happened, mm. that they acknowledged it, you know, and the ego in you really wants to just like punch them in the throat. But the thing is, is I'm okay with just saying, yeah, you, you doubted me before, but now you see it. And now you want to get on the, 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 the winning train, come one, come all. Just right. understand when you leave this jar of negativity to this jar of positivity, you leave that negative shit back yep. there yep. because we're moving forward. We don't think about yesterday. We think about tomorrow. And when you're ready to be on that train, then we go. And then, like you said, sometimes there's people that there's, there's the fit and there's the timing or sometimes there's both, right? Yep. Sometimes the timing's not right. Sometimes they're not a fit or, but when that time comes, you can't, not look at something and go, wait a minute, is there an opportunity I'm missing? But also don't dump so much time into something where you're trying to make it work, right? Don't right. be in the convincing business. Like a friend of mine, you and I were talking about the other day uh, that I'm coaching is I said, look, why, why, are, why are you worried about what everybody else in your company thinks? You have nothing to prove to them. You the fact that your name is on the contract when you purchase the company, the only one you have to care about is the banker you owe money to. Right, right. Right. You don't have anything to prove. Right. And then stop being in the convincing business. And he's like, I'm not trying to convince anybody. And I says, well, I said, let's think about it. If they believed you, would you have had to say anything? He was like, ah, man, I really hate when you say smart things. And I said, don't worry. They're not original. Don't, I've had don't the same Jim. thing said to me. I, we, we all hate it when you say smart things. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just said, don't be in the convincing business because guess what? You really, at the end of the day, don't have the time and energy to convince something or someone, just like you really don't have the time and energy to be convinced of something or someone. So why spend, it, it's just not, a, it's just not a useful use of energy, Right if they're meant to be and the timing's right and they fit, what are the opportunities? Is this going to work? Okay, cool. Let's move forward. And if not, don't talk yourself into something. Hmm. Well said, well said. Well, guys, I, I hope you got a kick out of this and, and out of this, what I wanted you guys to see is the raw and canny side of, of Jeremy, very much like myself, the <laughs> dude's, uh, he, he's just going to tell you like it is. So, so tell him a little bit about your podcast. Um, Cause one of the things when, when Jeremy told me he was finally launching a show, cause he's a fucking slow learner and doing it two years. After <laughs> I, fucking told him to do it. Um, <laughs> um, I told him, I'm like, dude, if you're going to launch it, let me bring you on the show. Let's help kick this fucking thing off. So, so tell him a little bit about the show. What's the point who should listen to it? You know, all the good shit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thank you again. I, I man, I, I was really excited about it. And I think one of the delays of the two years was I knew I wanted to do it. I just didn't really know what I wanted it to be. And I remember that was one of the important things. I mean, mm. I've, I could pull the notes up from the conversation <laughs> you had. And you're like, dude, just don't get in there and throw shit against the wall. Right. Yep. I, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it with purpose. And I was, I didn't really know what that purpose was. And then now I know what that purpose is. My purpose 
with this podcast, Winning Strategies Playbook. We're on YouTube and we're on all the podcast downloads, iTunes, Amazon, and all that. The, the audience that we target is high performers, right? And the reason we target this high performing audience is for two reasons. One, heavy is the crown, right? Yep. When you're at the top of your game, there's a lot of people that work for you that don't understand the amount of weight that you carry. Uh, and, and I'll give a good example of that is when, when the pandemic hit in March, I own a restaurant with 25 employees. My, my, my real estate business has seven, right? I've got a nonprofit that's got a full-time employee. I mean, I, I had well over 30 people that I had to worry about. But what some employees were like, well, I'm just real concerned about me. And I says, yes, but what you have to understand is I'm not only concerned about you, but him and her and him and her and her and him and so forth all the way through. I, I said, I'm worried about everybody. So the, it, to target the audience that goes, you know what? I'm not alone. There's other high performers out there that have taken this journey of, hey, guess what? When you're successful, you didn't get there by batting a thousand, right? Right. You know, it just doesn't happen. And then the second thing too is, is, the, the value we want to deliver on there by bringing great guests that tell their story of their journeys is that the high performing audience listeners can go, Hey, wait a minute. That's a great idea. Or yep. No, I did that. And that was, I, I, I screwed up doing that too, but it was really to kind of be like a codependent space to come right. <laughs> where, where you get to identify with other performers. And then that's the first goal is to draw the audience in hearing these great winning strategies that, you know, behind it, it, it this, there's a strategy behind it. Right. And then the second goal of it is for that, that guest to be able to promote whatever platform they want, whether it's a business that they're selling a widget for or a nonprofit that they support or whichever. And then the, Third goal is to be able to, to drive people to the website, the landing page, myexperiencedrealtor.com, experienced with an ED on it, myexperiencedrealtor.com. So that way they can find how to connect to these other episodes and learn more about these different businesses. If it happens to be a product or a platform, they also want to go support. But, uh, and then, you know, and then the last thing, which is really funny is I, made what I wanted out of it, or my KPI, I guess you could say is when somebody goes on it, if they're looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet, they can put in their name, their phone number, email, and what area they're looking at. And we're going to get back to them. And we're going to by design, set them up with someone that's just like me and my team, wherever they're looking to buy or sell. So that way they have the right person that represents their interests. And I tell people this all the time. So if you want to be successful in business, focus more on your client's money than your own money. And guess what? Your money will follow. Mm. And those are the only people I do business with. Those are the only other agents. And I tell you, you're only as good as your last deal. I've had some agents that have fallen off that list because they pooched the screw on it, right? Yep. And so to recap, winning strategies playbook, you're there to hear great winning stories and strategies and that, that drive you to wanting to hear more and tune in next each week, hearing what their platforms are. And then lastly, want to buy and sell some real estate. We're, we're going to be able to take care of you. 
guys, I'm telling you, with the caliber of guests that he's having on there, with the stories he's telling, uh, uh, it's a damn good show uh, with a high-intensity caliber, and you still get all of Jeremy. So his smart-ass, laughing, <laughs> freaking charismatic ass, you know, all the way through the show. So we'll make sure that there's a link in the show notes. You guys can check it out. Do me a favor, champions, go bombard a show for me. So fucking head that direction, blow it up and, and show them a little love. And then do me a favor. If you think about it, send him a message and tell him he's an asshole just for me. Um, that would mean everything <laughs> for me. So, um, yeah, as a matter of fact, if I see in a note, asshole, I'm going to note that my KPI is this came from Donnie's show. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so last thing, so we can get out of here. Here's how I wrap up every show and I do stump some motherfuckers. So get ready. So if you were going to leave my champions from around the world, I think we're at 187 countries right now um, with a quote, a saying, a mantra, something they can take with them on their journey, especially when they're in that moment when they're stacked up against it and going through it. What's that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. Man, uh, I, I can tell you exactly the one. I heard it a couple of years ago and it sticks with me every day. The definition of wealth is having 100% control of your time. And when you build whatever you're doing, that's the goal, right? Don't put a dollar sign behind it. Put a goal behind it. And my goal is to have 100% control of my time to decide what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, or if I don't want to do it, that 100% of control of your time, that's the definition of wealth. Because everybody else limps along going, oh, man, I would love to go do that, but I, do, I don't have the money or I don't have the time or I don't have the resources. So that's a great one. And listeners, if you have a goal where your goal is to be in 100% control of your time, all the other things will fall in line. I can promise you. Freaking brilliant. Do me a favor, guys. Go crash your show. Have fun. Jeremy, fucking rad to have me on here, brother. Always a good time catching up with you. Uh, looking forward to your show blowing up, man. Stay out of trouble. And thank you, Donnie. Semper Fidelis. I really appreciate you and everything you've done for me. Another killer episode, man. I love talking with Jeremy. Just a, a, a good dude with an amazing freaking story um, and journey. Make sure you check out his podcast and show him some love. Uh, send some of that, that champion spirit his way. And guys, if you haven't come check out our Facebook group, get your asses over there, jump in the Success Champion Facebook group. You'll hear about all the great things going on. Just head to Facebook, type Success Champions up in the search box, click on groups and we'll pop up there. Share this episode out, man. Um, do me a favor, just tell somebody else about this this particular episode. It was awesome. Great conversation and, and it helps me out a lot. And then if you haven't been to successchampionnetworking.com, check it out, guys. We are literally changing the game of how people network. We'll catch you next time. Another badass guest coming your way. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. 
Man, we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.